So here's what's been going on with us. Um, January has flown by. Can't believe it's almost over. And uh, Daniel, you know, but we've had like, it, it's weird with the venue. The bookings can be really unpredictable. Um, and we had a month last year that was our first month ever where we didn't book a wedding, which really kills our cash flow because the deposits help, help you know, uh, with cash flow, so there is no cash flow. Yeah, there's no there, other than other uh, revenues coming in. There was none of that, which was significant. So, anyway, it was a really it ended up being just an awesome gift to Jill and I to think about what we put our hope in, and even just looking kind of at brass tacks of okay, how do we approach cash flow? Do we want it to be as reliant on new bookings as it is? So we've made some changes, but anyway, it's been really cool to see in January. It has just been an awesome month we've met so many great couples like the lord has brought people you know it always fascinates me how people find the farm hmm. like you guys live here in lexington so it kind of makes sense that you would at least know of it you know right. um for your daughter's wedding chad but yeah we have people coming from all over that i'm so glad to have met and i can say confidently big spring is the perfect fit for their wedding hmm. day and the lord has just provided in that and it's been really cool to see and um and it'd been a good reminder to have gone through the season of not uh not having to remember like okay now that we're in this season of wow things are going really well i don't want to like fall into the the i don't want to fall into putting my hope in that mm. i just want to acknowledge it be grateful for it and then um yeah and then keep putting one foot in front of the other so that's a big update i don't i don't that's know awesome. if uh I'm, I'm interested to hear what's going on with you in January because I make up that the bakery and the, or at least the cafe has is probably slower in January. Mm -hmm. Is that the case though? Just because it's a small January town, January has of a been seasonal... lean. L e a n is is kind of the term for just across the board. Yeah, January is our slowest month. Um, students are gone for half of January. All the wholesale accounts are ordering less. We only do one bread day in January. Just feels slow, lean, and I'm really excited to see February. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, there's so much. The the big takeaway for me, business wise, is I want to be better about budgeting business wise off my December January numbers than I do off our May and October numbers. That just it makes so much sense, and it sounds so simple, but. I, I can quickly budget like off. cherry pick those big months. <laughs> yeah, May, like, dude, we could buy seventeen yeah. new pickup trucks. Um, so that's a big takeaway for us is to to be better about that. Buddy, do you want to give the grand intro? Yes. Yeah, so we are grateful to have Chad Meyer. Pronounce that correctly. Good. Uh, <laughs> don't look at how how he spells it. It's confusing. <laughs> um, grateful to have Chad on the podcast today. Chad uh, has done several things in his life we'll get into some of it um that's really interesting and uh and currently owns a few businesses uh the ones i'm aware of are in the laundry mat and um the like the self like the service laundry and the self-wash laundry side of things if i'm if i'm referencing those correctly <laughs> but yeah so i think it's cool your journey from gosh what was it 15 years or more in ministry and then leaving that and going into an entrepreneurial career with kids with you know with still kids in the house even and making that transition so 
I'm excited to hear a lot about all of those things, and we're grateful to have you on, man. Oh, gosh. I'm thrilled. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming on. You're, if we can start, I don't, we don't need to marinate in your childhood very long, but I think what is fascinating to Buddy is, Buddy and I, is kind of where you were in the young life realm, kind of describe that, and then your, your transition to owning laundromats, like... Can you tell us about that transition and what led to it, too? Sure, sure. Well, Young Life, I, I didn't, like, I wasn't one of those Young Life kids. If you know anything about Young Life, it's kind of this ministry that creates its own uh, volunteers and people who come on staff. And I wasn't, but Melissa was really big in Young Life. So uh, once we got married and I was a Camps Crusade for Christ guy, I'd kind of been uh, involved with them. And so it's fascinating because... I applied for Young Life and was interviewed. I said I was turned down for more jobs at Young Life than anybody. It, took, it was actually <laughs> 10 years of interviewing different places in the country to come on staff with Young Life. And then when they finally um, lowered the standard and let me in, <laughs> it was uh, it was amazing. Um, but it's funny how in those 10 years what you learn from the Lord. Like we when we first applied, we had no children. Mm-hmm. By the time we actually got a job 10 years later, we had four. And we moved from Texas, which was all we ever knew. Um, that's where we met from that eighth grade and kind of grew up together and then to leave family, friends, a great church, great community and go to New York, which Mm -hmm. I always say, if a Texan moves from Texas to New York, God has to be involved because (laughs) there was nothing in me that wanted to go to uh, New York as far as the weather. And did you go upstate New York? No, no. I, in my mind as a Texan, anything in New York was Buffalo, (laughs) but it was, it was, it was considered upstate. Okay. But it was the Catskills. So Delaware Valley, okay. uh, tri-state area, um, Catskill Mountains. Um, there's a camp there. Hmm. And it was great. It was the best probably nine, ten years of our life. And then you look back, and you, that was the the kids. The kids hmm. had this incredible upbringing. Uh, loved it and ended up um, being with Young Life for 15 years. Um, had moved to Lexington, I guess, seven years ago after a, an opportunity to serve in a larger capacity. Um and really, still, to this day, would say I only have great things about Saving Life. Probably some of the greatest people I've ever worked with or ever will work with. But in 2019, before COVID, there was just a stirring of what's next. You know, they, they, we have four kids. Three were in college. Um, our youngest, Micah, was, um, you know, we knew he'd be leaving the house soon. So most of I just kind of started talking about, do we feel like it'll be Young Life? Would we move to Colorado where the headquarters is would we stay in this role you know what are and you know how that is when you just start to think and pray and talk about things and i have a great friend actually my college roommate um that um just mentioned to me you should listen to uh this um uh, podcast or read a book by a fellow named brent Bishore who is uh, with permanent equity kind of a play on private equity mm-hmm. and it blew my mind when i actually listened because i had these preconceptions about what private equity was and it wasn't anything I was attracted to, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, his, um, group was just generous, thoughtful. Um, they have this great, um, policy. Um, they call it the no asshole policy. You have to bleep that out. But <laughs> when you read it, it, it reads almost like the gospel, like yeah. this idea of work with people you like, how do you serve people, hold, buy businesses, hold them for the long term. So much of what they, they said just resonated with me. So that, that set me down this path of just thinking about, um, um, this idea of acquiring a business hmm. and leading with some values that 
were dear to me and some skills that I kind of hoped I had acquired over the years. Mm. So that was really a start. Cool. Wow. And when you started looking for businesses, how did that search begin? <laughs> well, I mean, slowly and ignorantly. I mean, it, it's just, thank God for the internet, right? Like, um, I first read his book, Messy Marketplace, which is really written from kind of the um, seller, st- for a seller, to mm-hmm. say these are things you need to think about. And I read it really just to try to understand all the terms. I mean, every industry has their own terms. Yeah. You know, due down. diligence and EBITDA and uh, th- uh, things that I was like, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, even a lot about structuring deals and finance. Like I had run other people's operations and kind of done P&L but not really done a lot of finance uh, or creative financing Mm -hmm. or even really what you'd call accounting. Mm -hmm. And so I read the book several times, actually, just to see, do I understand this? And I would research. So kind of in my spare time, just uh, reading that book, and then you'd find something on a podcast, and they'd say a name, so I'd listen, read their book Mm -hmm. and listen. And um, you start to kind of overall start to create a little bit of an understanding of what's out there. And I mean, we could go down that rabbit hole for a long time, but um, really just being curious and fortuitously in a weird way, when COVID happened, as you can imagine, we were in a large group gathering business. So things slowed down quite a bit. Mm. Um, And so there was just, there seemed to be time and space to think and read and explore. And so, yeah. So you were, for for everybody listening, you were... um... Well, I don't, your title exactly, but you were managing over a group of Young Life Camps. Is that correct? What was your title? Divisional coordinator. Divisional coordinator, yeah. So, but but Young Life Camps are these summer camps that are based in the Christian ministry of Young Life. And it's, yeah, it is (laughs) the large group gathering business for sure. So, yeah, I can't imagine 2020 uh, for everybody at Young Life, but especially you, seeing that you would have some free time makes sense. So, where did you start looking for businesses? Like, well, how did you find, you know, like, cause, cause it's sort of, people ask Daniel and I questions like this all the time. Like, how did you decide, like, mm-hmm. why bakery, you know, right. why a farm, why yeah. a wedding venue? Right. So where, where were you looking? Um, well, I think it, it, it evolved. I, I think what it, I read a, another great book is a well-known book is by then build by Walker Diebel or Diebel, I think is his name. I said, right. But the, it, his whole he has a, it's a great book, and it kind of walks through this idea of why you should consider acquiring an existing business. Mm-hmm. See, I consider y'all entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I don't consider myself an entrepreneur. I, I feel like when you buy an existing business, that's less entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. um, a little safer. I, I think I'm more of a calculated risk taker. <laughs> and uh, But his, his book was just really in, encouraging and saying, think of it this way. And so I, I started doing that. In my mind, I thought Moss and I would, would probably have to move to a different city, mm-hmm. a larger city, to find a business that would meet some of what we would need as far as salary and replacing that and be able to carry, um, you know, handle the debt payments uh, and all that. And there's models that different books have. And I, I was nerdy enough to try to create my own models. And, and then literally just got on um, um, Biz by Sell, which is kind of yeah a, a website that I love cruising that every yeah once yeah in a while. <laughs> it's it's addicting and what it's dangerous it? Biz by Sell, uh, and uh, it's just a website where people list businesses and my experience is, is a lot of them aren't for sale anymore or they're not great buys but it allows you to start thinking about uh, the process signing a non disclosure agreement and getting a, a a sim which is just basically 
um, some basic information about the information uh, about the business, and then so to answer your question, we I in my mind was looking in the in Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, and but probably not Lexington. No, no, no. I, yeah, that, interesting. I, I just figured there uh, there wasn't one that could meet our criteria. Right. Yeah, it's a small town. And you wanted something right. in the service industry, did you? Most likely. I mean, yeah. I, I would say that again. So much of your knowledge is borrowed from other people, and. So as I listened, it was like, okay, I want something that's um, enduringly profitable. Mm-hmm. So something that has a proven record of being profitable. Somewhere has a healthy culture. The the owner actually cares about what happens to their employees after they leave. They've led well. It's not all about how much money can they get out of the deal. Um, and I think service seems to be what would be natural for me. But I was at the time, I was nervous of being too limiting. Mm-hmm. You know, people, people advised you, don't ever go into you know, food or restaurants or, mm-hmm. so you, you're kind of listening, but you're all trying to also trying to be an open-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really where we started. And I think the big kind of change that le- ended up lead- leading us to be able to stay here was Mosa. Uh, my amazing wife was like, I don't think tap to brakes, you know, cause mm-hmm. I was starting to mm-hmm. talk about, you know, are you ready to move to <laughs> DC or Richmond or maybe Charlotte? And, and she kind of knows how I can obsess. So, um, she said, slow down. And so then I thought, okay, well, what could I acquire that we could still live here? Mm-hmm. So that's when I shifted toward something a little bit, almost more of us on the side. And, and uh, it was over Christmas. Cause again, Christmas is a little slower. So I was, when I get bored, I get in trouble. So, uh, I just started cold calling. I started thinking laundry mats, car washes, storage facilities, the, the, the usual. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I just started cold calling, uh, laundromats until I found an owner that would actually talk to me. And, um, I was real fortunate, found one that he owns eight laundromats now and four car washes. And he said, sure, I'll tell you about it. And we talked for a while. Great guy. Um, Pete and, um, still a friend talked to him last week, but kind of just a casual conversation. He educated me about some percentages and numbers and this and that. And then we moved on our way and, um, Gosh, it was three to six months later, I was at, at a meeting and I got a phone call and he said, hey, are you still looking for a laundromat? And I said, well, it might be. And he said, well, the one in, I know the guy in Lexington wants to sell. No way. And That's I said, awesome. I said, I'd love to talk to him. So he said, well, let me see his number. And I texted him and I said, we grabbed a beer at Devil's Backbone. And he said, yeah, I may sell. If, and I said, well, I may buy. And <laughs> <laughs> Let's we, talk. We talked. And uh, wow. Can you give us, um, this is sort of, like I, I, when you said like the usual storage yeah. building, laundromat, that kind of. So I've I've gone down the YouTube rabbit hole of <laughs> the guys that will talk about those types of businesses yep. on there. But one thing, I feel like they don't really give you a good concrete of like, hey, here's a here's a here's an industry standard. Like if you have a laundromat, you're going to want to be seeing, mm-hmm. you know, X ROI. You're going to want this is this is your this is what your profitability is really going to be or whatever. Obviously that's going to change way, way across the board, right? Depending right. on what city you're in and all yep. that stuff. But would you say like, is there a, you know, like there's different industries. Like I know Daniel can give a pretty good ballpark for a bakery, you know, on baked goods. Margins, here's yeah. your cost. Here's what yeah. you should be profiting. Can you give us any kind of like benchmarks for folks that are listening, that are thinking laundromat thinking, all right, I'm looking at this laundromat. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 this is my first time looking at a laundromat's numbers. What would you say to to that, Chad? I mean, I, I, like you said, every laundromat's different. The number of turns is what you'll hear a lot in the laundry business, how many turns your machine's getting. But mm-hmm. I would say first thing is you know, be skeptical of the internet um, because 
folks sell it as completely passive or, or semi-passive at best. But um, for me, what I, I knew that when I purchased it, that it would be a side gig. Like it, it because of the town, the size, the population, it, it it's not going to generate enough revenue to support my you know salary. But um, but that really is not my motivation. I mm-hmm. mean, I just love the idea of something doing new, uh, yeah. learning some new stuff. But um, when you're looking at a laundromat, like any business, you're, you've got to look at what are you, your utilities and what are your rent, mm-hmm. you know, and controlling those percentages of your gross, um, you know, profit. Um, but I would say a good business before you put debt on it, because again, if you pay cash, it's going to be different than if you take out your know, over leverage or whatever. Um, but I would, I would say that you should expect a twenty to thirty percent if you're before you take out any anything for yourself or debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, how you just define net profit, you got to ask some questions before yeah. you, you go with that. But they they should be profitable mm-hmm. if they're clean, and really if they're clean, mm-hmm. and that's just a straight laundromat. The big thing in laundromats nowadays is to add an attendant and to start doing wash dry fold business, which. We were talking to yeah. your wife about earlier this idea. We desperately need here at the Powers <laughs> household. Yes, yes. It's a, it's a fast-growing industry. A lot of people get into it with software and home deliveries and that sort of stuff. Mm, cool. Um, which we haven't scratched the surface, really. We haven't done anything at the, the laundry. So basically what I did is just came in, took... I haven't taken any money out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll correct myself a little bit. First year, all the money went back in to get new pipes, new electrical. The place just had been um, well-used for a mm-hmm. while. And... Uh, that was my intent probably first five years. New equipment, uh, new plumbing, new electrical, and then continue to pay off the debt. I mean, the one thing I love about acquiring businesses is if they're a good one and you've looked at them, the business is paying it for itself mm-hmm. in addition to whatever salary you can draw mm-hmm. and providing for you know employees. So that just got me excited, that, this <laughs> yeah. idea of it just made sense. Yeah, that's really cool. Can you describe just real quick for me, but when you said you purchased a laundromat without the wash-dry-fold I just pictured washers, dryers lined up in a row, and it's by coin or card or cash. Is this what you're describing? And your office, you said, was in the bathroom? Yeah, yeah. so I I moved my office to the old bathroom so I could be there, just so I could, you know, well, one, because I needed an office and didn't like it being being at home. And it was just fun. I'd come in early, clean the laundromat to save from paying someone else to do it, and then Uh fix a couple machines, do my day job. You know, take a walk around two or three times and give people quarters who, if the machine stole their quarters, and then at the end of the day, cleaned it up. We're 24 hours, which is unusual. Oh, okay. Um, I've been in there one time, Yeah. which is kind of a funny story. It was before you owned it. Yeah. We had a wedding here at the farm a few years ago. It was a beautiful May day, um, and this bride wanted to do an alfresco dinner with all the tables set out mm-hmm. on the lawn by the barn. And it's, you know, a beautiful day. Why not? Well, <laughs> everything's set up. All the place settings, all the flowers are out there. And as can happen out here in the mountains, a huge, dark thunderstorm rolls in over the mountain. And it's like you can see blue sky, you know, to the north and to the south. But but out of the west, this big storm comes. And it soaked all of the tables. Like everybody's, all of our crew, all the caterers, the planters, we're running. We're getting soaked. We're running all the flowers back under roof in the barn. But anyway, we're like, what do we do with all these soaked linens? Because once this storm blows by... After like 10 minutes, beautiful out again. So I took all the linens to your laundromat and because uh, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to dry all these. And luckily nobody was in there. And I just took over the wall of dryers <laughs> and I had like <laughs> napkins in one and, and like, you know, spread out all these linens through the rest of these dryers. Anyway, it saved me one day. And so the bride 
you know, none of the family, no one even knew. I drove them back out and we put them back all on the tables. Oh, gosh. It was insane. Yeah. Little, little anxiety? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's one of those. When when people ask me what are some of the craziest things that happen, that have happened at a wedding, that's one of my, definitely yeah. one of my top five. Gosh. But, yeah, that's really cool. That, so you started sort of with the laundromat as a side hustle. Oh, and I like what you said, too, that I wanted to highlight about a business when you, like, even if you have debt on it, if it's paying the debt, um, and paying employees and pay, paying all of its costs and you're able to make money on it, then that's a real, that's where you want to be. Even, yeah. especially even for a side hustle, like that's not, um, I think of the, we, we, we bought, um, this house we call the Midland house, turned it into a short term rental. And after we renovated, bought the house, um, with a loan, renovated it with cash, we got it appraised and did a cash out refinance, mm-hmm. paid ourselves back all the money we had into the house. And now it pays the mortgage, pays the utilities and pays uh, me and my brother that are partners on it um, every month the profit. So it's crazy because we essentially have zero dollars in cash in the building and it's always gaining in value <laughs> and it's paying us on top of it. It's it's really wild. It 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 almost... Seems like you're doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah. When I was looking at the numbers, I was like, "Is this? Did we just do this? We did. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> That's it, how this works. It's hard to calculate an ROI on zero dollars when you're making money on zero dollars that you've put in at this point. You know. Yeah, and, and that's why I say like I'm a calculated risk taker. Is that? And that's. It took me a while to build the models, to read the books, and get comfortable. And that was the fun of doing biz by sell because you could plug some in. And then the laundromat was kind of a first dry run of, okay, are my assumptions right and Mm -hmm. it it was something that could put our toe in the water and again i mean there's laundromats out there that are uh, 10 times as big as mine they're beautiful people go in and i mean especially in bigger cities and i mean they've changed i mean my mother-in-law just sent me a picture of one from texas that she goes to and i mean it it's as nice as it's got like fancy furniture furniture you know (laughs) i've seen uh, a little library for kids a coffee bar and it's like are people going in for date night (laughs) i mean it's amazing so uh, so it, it has, it has, the industry's changed and, or is changing and, and mine is still being open 24 hours a day is probably because of the population. We're able to do that. You know, some of my friends who own ones in other cities, they would say, if we did that, everything would be stolen overnight. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we're fortunate being in Lexington. Um, but I do think that helps us attract, um, some customers that might go elsewhere, but mm-hmm. yeah, so that, so that was a lot of fun. So that, that's how I kind of first got my toe in the water and, I think we were saying earlier a little bit about how much I enjoyed connecting with, again, Young Life was so good, but you know, as you know, you learn yourself and your, how God designed you, like I had forgotten because the higher, I, higher sounds, but the more I was in different roles in Young Life, the further I got away from really feeling like I was interacting with folks and solving problems and improving and making change that um impacting change mm-hmm. uh and so it was just neat in this laundromat working in a bathroom like i was just rejuvenated with cl- just cleaning and fixing machines and and talking to people yeah and Me- that kind of the need yeah i just loved it and 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 making it was fun to fix things and and make them better mm-hmm. um so that's that's kind of what got us started in the laundromat on that two questions did you was there debt associated with that purchase? Yeah. And yeah. So I did. Great question. Um, so obviously, there's a hundred different ways to finance things. With this one, you can SBA loans are amazing. Mm-hmm. And this was a small SBA loan. Um, the larger they get, some people say they're pretty tough. They get a little bit hairy with all the paperwork. 
Uh, because this one was below a certain threshold, uh, it was relatively sh straightforward. So we we had um, uh, refinanced our um, house and some land for a variety of reasons, and so that helped. Sold mm. one of the lots, and so we put that down as a down payment and did got an SBA loan. Mm. And um, interest rates were really oh. good back then too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I meant incredible. Well, why would you not? <laughs> right. yeah. And so. With the laundromat, and I know you just bought one recently, is the real estate, owning the real estate important to you as you're looking mm -hmm. at the purchase? And was it, do you own that or do you lease it? No, we, we rent. Um, I think I'm fairly ambivalent. I've heard, again, I've heard other people say, keep your business separate from your real estate because mm -hmm. as you grow, you want to be able to move and be mm -hmm. nimble. And that if you... Um, own real estate that actually become become problematic mm. um, but that's other people's experience I can't say that I've experienced that but so no we we um, rent at the um, laundromat which there's some risk in that because there's a lot of infrastructure um, for a laundromat and it's mm. really one of the hard why it's hard to get a new one mm -hmm. because of the sewer hookup charges and mm. having large water lines some cities just aren't big fans of that I can't imagine today too just with the cost of building materials and everything Right. So for me to buy an existing and upgrade, it just made a little bit more sense. Mm -hmm. But um, but the most recent business I acquired, the dry cleaners, same thing, I, I lease. Um, mm -hmm. um, you, I think you try to get first right of refusal for purchase and you try to get longer leases and options um, just to protect yourself. But mm -hmm. um, that's at least the angle I've taken. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know. That's a good question because I didn't know. I guess maybe I assumed you'd buy the real estate too, but it makes sense. Like you don't need to. That's just maybe an added expense. Wouldn't it be more profitable to just have a, a really healthy lease that mm -hmm. you can roll with your business in? Yeah, I mean, it, especially when you're coming in. For me, coming in and not knowing mm -hmm. if, if for for the dry cleaners more than the laundromat. The laundromat, if it, you're looking at the city, the size. Are we going to go out and build a two million dollar new facility for? Right. You know, you can use some. It's a long judgment. horizon on yeah. getting that money mm -hmm. back. <laughs> right. Right. And I, and I've seen some go out of business. Uh, mm -hmm. That that they see you see these beautiful laundromats in other towns, and there was one in Charlottesville that was amazing. That was beautiful. I don't know what happened, but I know that it was amazing. COVID hit, and by the end of COVID, they were out of business. True. So, did you have a question? No, I'm. Those are mine up to this point. Um, yeah. So I'd love to hear about. So you have the laundromat. Mm -hmm. What was the next step? What was, was it? Laundromat and just um, still working in Young Life. Um, and uh, again, was kind of thinking, well, when Micah graduates, we'll start looking. And uh, knowing that we'd be able to divest a laundromat pretty easy if we needed to. Um, and really just doing nothing special. Mm -hmm. um, ended up um, going to breakfast with... Um, the, the former owners of the dry cleaners just to get to know them. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't know about y'all, but I do that every now and then. If I see someone at, at church or hear their name and I'll just say, hey, will you grab a meal with me? Mm -hmm. um, and we did and uh, incredible people. I was very, just impressed right away. It was a father and a son and his, his wife who'd had it for 38 years mm -hmm. and did a tremendous job. Just, you know, you would know their name, the reputation oh, yeah. preceded them and uh, just had a great breakfast and if I'm honest, I after breakfast I thought, well, he's got a son, so <laughs> not an option. Yeah, not an option. You're gonna pass <laughs> yeah. that on. Yeah, great breakfast. Um, 
And uh, I d- didn't think much about it, but again, uh, things evolved. We ended up talking, and they, um, as the Lord would have it, they were considering uh, divesting of a portion of. They were a corporation had multiple mm-hmm. lines of business. They were considering divesting of part of it, and they said, "Would you consider it?" And and uh, I said, "Of course." So we went. That was the at the breakfast, or no, no, follow up. This was later. Okay. And and, uh, and again, again, it's so I love looking back and seeing how the Lord prepares things. Mm-hmm. And so those years of me just reading books and building models and being kind of nerdy and asking for sample business plans and plugging them in, prepared me so that when someone actually was sitting across the table and said, mm. would you consider us? I could say with a, a little bit of confidence. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see it. And, and so and actually having a, a process to walk through to give you a little bit of. I have to satisfy that calculated risk taker. I mean, I'm not, a, I, I always call it the brave entrepreneurs who just kind of go out and do it. I, I'm, I'm not that guy. I, I need some numbers. And Daniel and I probably have a lot to learn from you, though. I, I was going to say, this is so healthy. <laughs> we need this you. This is healthy we need to you hear. in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I probably need y'all in my life, too. It's like, pull can, the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can be good influences on each other. Yeah. So, oh, that's but cool. it was, it's just, again, it was amazing. They were, you hear so many horror stories when you listen to podcasts. If people are interested in this in this sort of line of um, conversation, there's a great podcast, Acquiring Minds. Hmm. And then uh, used to be Think Like an Owner, although I think some of his content has changed, but both really good. If you look back in our archives, a great, great podcast. But you hear horror stories like the owner, it wasn't what the owner told me or the previous owner told me. or hmm. there was. I walked into all these skeletons. I mean, for me, it was... Amazing. Everything they said was true. They were. They they still helped me. Um, the previous owner was there yesterday. Hmm. Um, we're gonna have a beer next uh, week to celebrate one year anniversary. So, oh. just amicable, That's helpful. Yeah. It's it's amazing that. Um, and so I consider myself fortunate that that. Um, now there's surprises in the business, mm-hmm. but nothing because of them being you know, not being forthright. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask? how you financed that um is it was there owner financing involved you know how much were they involved how yeah, much people ask us pull? that all the time too like yeah. how do you how do you how do you fund this or how do you think i should get money to do this thing and it's like right. well there's so many options you there know. is so many <laughs> options and i and i think that it's a great question for people to think about in advance so mm-hmm. so let me back up and i'll get to that okay so again when i read the book by walker um, um buy then build he really takes you through a process. So I ended up kind of, a, I set up a website just to have to answer some of the questions. Like what were my missions? Hmm. What my mission? What was my values? Hmm. What would my criteria be? Because it's so easy. It's like going for a job search. There's so many jobs you can't decide. So it, the, um, and if you're interested again, I'm probably the only one who's ever clicked on it, but far view holdings, it's named after my, my, my wife's grandfather had a century farm in Iowa, far view oh, farms. Cool. Farview Holdings, not Fairview, that's what comes up, but hmm. uh, it's examples someone could use to go, okay, uh, how did I, we think about it? In case I ever actually had someone who wanted to sell, I could say, well, you can look at this website and hmm. you can see what we believe or our mm-hmm. values. Um, but I had a couple of buddies um, that are do pretty well. And beforehand, I'd said, would you be interested? And I, they both said we would be hmm. very, you know, interested in investing we we ended up not really going that route, but it helped me as I went out to brokers because in the the business buying industry, it's similar to real estate agents. There's brokers, mm-hmm. so you'd talk to a broker about your criteria and 
what you're looking for. And they're they're vetting you, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, who's this guy? Yeah. Is uh, he really legit? Yes, or, yeah. as they should. Yeah. Because uh, they work on, usually work on commission from a cell. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but similar, there's SBA is, is a good way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it, again, depend on your credit and mm-hmm. your ability to work through some paperwork. There's always, um, you know, if you can pay, pay cash, obviously, down mm-hmm. payment. Uh, I don't know of many people who've done conventional, but mm-hmm. I think it can be done um, depending on uh, the business. I, I think you'll hear in that kind of acquisition world, and I'm no expert, but you'll hear a lot of people say you've got to have some seller financing because it shows, gets some skin in the game. It aligns your interest and it shows that they have confidence that they're handing this business off to you. And then what degree that is, is, is negotiable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say a lot of people say the more, the better. Uh, and then there's always investors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in this kind of ETA world, uh, entrepreneurship through acquisition is what you'll, that's an acronym. Ah, that's that, good. That early on I learned, ETA. I actually wrote someone like and said, I actually was in it for several months and I wrote a guy and said, what does ETA mean? Like, <laughs> I can't find it on the internet. Everybody throws it around and I just keep repeating it. Entrepreneurship through acquisition. Yeah. That's good. Nice. So uh, in the world, you'll hear um, there's different levels of um, of investors being mm-hmm. involved. Um, uh, it's from search funds, which are like kind of the, people would maybe call the big leagues to uh, a self-funded search fund. So a search is just a search for a business. Okay. You know, kind of the, the old school search fund, I'm going to say is, big investors invest and you are an operator that earns over time. You earn, if you perform ownership of the business mm-hmm. and then their goal is to divest after so many years and everybody cashes out mm-hmm. a self-funded search fund would be somebody who maybe had their own cash and they're going to go out and buy a business uh, and it every in between. So mm-hmm. in this particular case, um, it was, um, there was seller financing involved and one of those um, friends did put some investment in so so we do have you know debt which always causes you to the, the anxiety and the stress of yeah honoring the former owner and yeah and uh honoring your investors slash debtors mm-hmm. is, a, is a big deal that's cool that it puts you i haven't thought about owner financing um a business in the sense that it does keep you both like the same side of the table like hey we're like obviously you're the operator now, but he's just as much. You're the seller is just as much, um, like cheering for you. And, yeah, and vested in the help. performance. Like, hey, there's a little issue. Let me go help Chad out mm. because you know I want him to keep winning. Um, you hope so, right? Yeah, right. Hmm. Yeah, I, I love the term that I've heard is this idea of aligning interest, and I, that helps me not only with the investors. You know, you could call them debtors, and but they're investors, right? But also your employees. Um, your customers, this idea of how do we align interest? Because mm-hmm. it's so easy. I'm one of my, temp- I take all these silly temperament tests, and one <laughs> of the things in me is competition. But what I've learned about that is a lot of times competition, I catch myself competing against people mm-hmm. rather than collaborating with them naturally. Mm-hmm. I've learned young life kind of beat it out of me a lot because of ministry and this idea of collaborative efforts. But I catch myself not thinking that way, mm-hmm. and I have to remind myself. How do I collaborate with people? How do I align interest with people? Um, so it's a win-win. Yeah. Hmm. That's that's really interesting. I think I struggle or have struggled with, um, I guess, like that exact same thing from the competitive side. I think the way I live that out is I tell myself I'm, I'm just going to do this myself because mm. I don't want to have to deal with bringing somebody on to, and then I'm competing with them or... Mm-hmm. or feel like they're competing with me. 
So I've kind of up until up until a few years ago, I kind of just did told myself I I just got to do it all me. And um, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of freedom in the decisions you can make because you're not answering to to an investor or a partner or whatever. But then I learned a lot less about myself. I kind of stayed in the foxhole. And I think the beauty of for me of a partnership that I've been learning is like it forces me to look at myself and see how I'm really showing up because I got somebody, it's kind of like marriage, you know, it's like, you got somebody right there with you going like, Hey man, Mm -hmm. you know, do you notice what you're doing right now? (laughs) (laughs) That's a purifier, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're holding up a mirror to you, but we have 28 employees at the, at the dry cleaning plant. And I would say similarly, like Mm. when you step into a business, you know, nothing about, it's very humbling coming out of young life where I had been there 15 years. I was, wasn't the expert, but folks came to me for answers. You were, you were the man. That's, <laughs> um, you had a you had a great reputation. <laughs> uh, I've fooled people, but had, no, uh, just that's right. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's incredibly humbling when you step in and you literally viscerally feel like without these people, we're, we're, we don't Doomed. exist. You know, not only customers coming in for the front door, but also, the, the team that are running the dry cleaning machines and front counters and and, uh, and we have three different lines of business. So it that is just, it's humbling in a good way, but also can cause you to wake up many times at night because you do want to feel like you could take over and run it yourself and, and you just can't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's, and here's another thing you'll hear a lot in ETA is I knew it because of, I, in a way... I bought a business smaller than I should have bought. And what, what you'll hear is if you buy a business that's larger and has more cash flow and profitability, it, it really translates all to, so to typically they have middle management. Mm-hmm. So when you come in, it actually is um, in a weird way, easier to run because you have people to help run it with a business that I bought at the size I bought one, we bought it cause it was in Lexington, mm-hmm. you know, and there were great people like it, it, it checked a lot of the list except for size in mm-hmm. that sense. Like, Size in the sense of being able to have other people. So you're in this strange position, which I imagine y'all are similar, is you have to be in the weeds to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, well, we'll hire everybody and delegate it all out. It yeah. sounds great in a I'll book. I'll check in quarterly. Right. <laughs> so I love that because that's the kind of guy I am. I, I, mm-hmm. I, it energizes me. But it also um, force you feel it's more it's it's mm-hmm. more visceral <laughs> yeah oh I'm sure uh, you know like you said cash flow and yeah and all especially that first year because you don't really know the whole business cycle mm-hmm. so lots of prayer it challenges yeah. your faith in a different way of you know what you believe and who provides and what your role is in cooperating in that process yeah so can you so you were still with young life at the acquisition of the dry cleaner well, no, or had, I, you, had you stepped away? No, I, I had talked to, again, Young Life is such a healthy organization. I was able to share with my supervisor that I was considering this. Yeah. And um, he he was on board and supportive. Because and, that's the tough thing with exhibition. It could fall apart right. at the closing right table. At the last minute. So can you speak to the transition? How did you know when to leave young life and the certain security associated with financially. Um, When did you know? When did I know? When did you know it was a good time? Well, I mean, you go through due diligence. So you're, you know, I'm still at young life while I'm doing due diligence with this organization, Mm -hmm. this new business, which is you're asking them for a lot of, I mean, at that point you've got agreements in place, non-disclosure agreements. 
But and so they're giving your financials. They're they're answering every question that you can imagine, and there's lists of those out there mm-hmm. on the internet. Um, and I and I'd be happy to help people who are walking that process. Um, so as you get those questions and you have these models where you're plugging things in, going, okay, I think if this is accurate and it performs the way it is, and I don't wreck this train, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you know this is what sort of um, cash flow, mm-hmm. and this is what's going to cover debt. This is what could cover my salary. This is how much capex. I need to plan on and uh and you take a big gulp <laughs> and then you go we're mm-hmm. gonna i'm gonna move forward mm-hmm. does that make sense am i answering your question there yes and what so so you left young life like what did that was it the day you signed you were like okay I, I'm, I'm taking the plunge or, pretty much pretty much pretty close yeah okay turn in, turn in a notice so you were comfortable leaving young life once you saw hey net profits here i think i melissa and i can pocket this much all right, we're doing this. Yeah, and I think a lot of it was confidence in the former um, owner. I mean, I I told him actually when I turned my nose, I said, "I'm like, you got me over a barrel now because <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> there was there was still 30 days, 45 days. Mm-hmm. Um, my memory's terrible. Melissa probably knows exactly how many days it was, but um, but there is a period of time where you are. Mm-hmm. It's potential that something could fall apart. And did you enter that season confident, excited, nervous? with trepidation all, what all was that the, all uh, of the above yeah you know there's an excitement because it's new uh there's fear because you you go di- are my models right like mm-hmm. do i have a bad formula um th- this particular situation they were completely forthright but because it was a a larger business they were carving out a portion and no fault of their own but they mm. couldn't say exactly like mm-hmm. okay what percentage exactly of that of right. that person's salary went to this business it wasn't clearly delineated yes. within mm. the corporation yes, yes. Yeah. so you you're kind of hoping mm-hmm. that that your um percentages will round in the mm-hmm. right direction and not the wrong direction and i just one more nerdy question but it sounds like you were you relied heavy on your reading the the, the um the learning you had done on your own mm-hmm. going into this. One question I think about is what is what is the value of my business? So mm-hmm. how did you were you five times EBITDA mm-hmm. on you know the numbers they were giving you? How how did you and the seller reach mm-hmm. that? What can you speak to yeah. that for a moment? It's a great question. I mean again, not to nerd out and all this is stuff I've learned, so it's not like a, you're born with this knowledge is when you're in a smaller business, I usually stop, talk about SDE, which is seller discretionary earnings. And again, there's formulas <laughs> that you can look on the internet to tell you how to calculate that. So we were talking more about SDE than EBITDA. Mm. Um, EBITDA is typically when you're a little bit larger. Um, and even EBITDA is not perfect. Mm-hmm. It's just something that kind of helps. Gets you in the ballpark. To a, yeah. a level playing field, assuming people are being honest, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always, with the laundromat, that was always the, the question mark in that industry because it's a cash business. Mm-hmm. So there's ways to to basically mislead people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and fortunately that, that owner, same experience, completely honest. Everything they said was true. I was very fortunate. Um, and both these scenarios and both relationally, which is funny because I had been doing all this searching through brokers and I, right. All found, over Virginia. You, right. And you find them, you find them next to, <laughs> you know, backyard. in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in different industries, there's different multiples is what mm-hmm. they would call that of, whether it's SDE or EBITDA. Right. And what is it for the dry cleaning? (laughs) 
Well, uh, that depends. Uh-huh. And again, this one's unique because it's not just dry cleaning. It's dry cleaning, it's restoration, and mm-hmm. it's collegiate laundry. So the thing that attracted me mostly about this business was its diversity. It had optionality, resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just what you would think of as a, a, as a just a dry cleaning mm-hmm. facility. So when you come to multiples, um, there's actually some subscriptions out there that are expensive that you can buy um, – of um by industry they give like a forecast of what the industry is expected to do by the professionals and they'll they'll tell you kind of the businesses have sold have been in this multiple Mm. um but i didn't do that mine was mostly um listening and educating myself from podcasts and then just honestly the thing about the multiples it really doesn't matter if you do a good model if it can't cash flow at a one multiple, then it's not worth a one multiple. If it can't, and, and if it can cash flow at a seven or ten, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of that is really you wrestling internally, which is it's such a challenge. Like, because you will fall in love with the deal, and you mm-hmm. have to be careful because you can convince yourself, oh, I can make this work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would advise against that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, just be aware of of how tight that mm-hmm. can be when you in- introduce debt and you introduce. Um, you want to grow, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to, you don't want to buy a business and not grow. Um, and so there's that balance of humility of, and also, um, ambition, right? Mm-hmm. So, so to answer your question, I personally try to shoot in the, um, three multiple mm-hmm. plus or minus, but again, in a tech business, th- those may be like up 10, seven 12, to 12, 20, right? Yeah. And so every industry is different. And, and I don't want to mislead people that I, mm-hmm. uh, know it that well hmm. and i would say different city like a, a laundromat maybe in richmond that's turning hmm. you know could have a different model, oh yeah. absolutely um, so it really is more about the due diligence i'd say in my hmm. mind yeah and it's so much of it's like the the math of it like you're saying you kind of get lost in the excitement of yes. a deal but like well if i pay you know a million dollars for this place can i can the business really pay me all of its current expenses and service that kind of debt Mm-hmm. If it's not already currently servicing that kind of debt, like making right. sure you're factoring that mm-hmm. in well, in a very have... honest way of like, what if we have a little bit of a down month? Are we still, is there still enough margin there? Right. And and also the challenge is think of you as you guys, you own your business. If you ever went to sell it, if you own it outright, you're used to it. I'm going to make this up. Let's say it's cash flowing. You're, you're taking home $300,000 a year. When well, your mind, you're thinking, well, it's worth 300,000 times whatever the multiple. Yeah. But a buyer comes in and as soon that you know, they're going to put debt on that business. Well, that they're there. That's where that negotiation has to come in and some reasonableness mm-hmm. of how do we align our interest? Because it is a different business with debt put on it and there's mm-hmm. more risk. And so I think that's, mm-hmm. we're having a good relationship with someone you trust and be able to have honest conversations. Cause it's 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 then it's like well if we're going to stay at that price or is there sell financing can we lower that interest rate okay how about the term you guys get it like mm-hmm. there's so many ways to skin that cat mm-hmm. in a way that again is mutually beneficial if folks are coming to the table with the with a sincere desire to to make the deal happen mm-hmm. one more question uh, again we have a lot to learn from you You've said the word model about 23 times. <laughs> and I can, I maybe want, made one model in my whole tenure. Are these, are these Google Docs that you created? Did you pull them from somewhere? Great question. Because Mike has mentioned them too. Your son has said, Dad has a sweet spreadsheet. I don't know. How, and you plug this number in, it tells me how much I'm going to earn when I get out of college or whatever it is. Like, 
Where did that come from? Yeah. Are those equipping you right now? That's a good question. I would say um, I'm not like a finance background, but just through my experience, I do use Excel, but I use basic Excel. Like mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say that I'm like an Excel guru, but again, just curiosity, like as I would read, so there's a book that um, Harvard Business Review has books and one of them is on buying a small business. And they're a little bit on the, the what I would call the higher end, the, the, um, uh, the search funders, mm -hmm. this idea of you buy a business, you get investors, but they had, mo they had charts of models. And so what I did, again, I'm a total nerd, is I kept working on the formulas till I could make the, my model match their model. So mm. I could prove that I was thinking right. Because again, some numbers, I didn't even know what they meant. Like they would have a term. And it's a, that's what's so funny about some of these business books is they assume everybody knows what that means. Yeah. So I had to, it was really this nerdy, like, look it up on the internet. What does that mean? Okay, what do I think that formula would be to get that? So mm. to be fair, that was, did take some experience with Excel mm -hmm. and, and logic. Um, but I'm not. I'm not smart, guys. Like, I am really just, I always kind of joke. And, and it's funny because when I say I'm not smart, I just work hard. No one ever disagrees with me. They just kind of laugh and go, <laughs> so that's how you know it's true. Oh, you know, no one ever goes, oh, Chad, no, you're, no, you just go. Yesterday I said it to somebody, he goes, well, you're persistent. I go, thank you. Like, I am persistent. I'll take that I comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so you would make like theoretical models, like, okay, if I did buy this laundromat and yeah. they want this much for it and they say it's making you know, this month, this revenue monthly, and these are their utilities, blah, blah, That's the kind of model you're talking, and yes. you'd work through, okay, if I had debt on it, I could I could. Yeah, I'd be happy to and... send it to you. I mean, it's, um, just be careful, because, you know, how you work with formulas, you change things, and you forget that you changed it, so you, you'd want to check. Yeah. But yeah, so, and then you have to build it, like, well, what if you had an investor? Well, what is their, what is their rate of return they expect? But, it, so it started with the mm -hmm. Harvard Business Review, their book, trying to, but that was, to be honest, that was extremely too complicated, because, mm -hmm. But from there, you could dumb it down to something as simple as, well, what if I had a loan at this percentage rate for this many years and I put, I wanted to put this much back in the machinery, mm -hmm. what could I, could I draw out of it? Mm -hmm. And then you're just asking questions like, um, what if something happened mm -hmm. and how long until it would be profitable and, and uh, you're playing those kind of games. And then the magic one is how much do I think I can grow this? Because if, mm -hmm. if you can grow it and it is a good business, then, then you get some daylight, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, that's what it's all about when you're, especially, I guess, in the ETA yeah. uh, side of things. Did I say the right acronym? You did. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm yeah, like, right. I'm, I'm so trying impressed. it on. That's my first time. <laughs> but if anybody in the ETA industry hears this, they'll be like, who is that knucklehead on that? I'm going to say it all the time now. ETA, it sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So that's I, really helpful to, it's really helpful to hear. It seems my my default is I make projections based on, my enthusiasm for a product or an idea like the baker's box haven't thrown one model together, whether it's mm -hmm. a mail order frozen product. It's like, I feel so good about this. We're going to do it. We're all in vice. This, um, more calculated, um, metric based numbers based. Okay. This input output. Yeah, you That's did like really good you know months here. worth of testing, shipping, and you're like, yep, yeah. okay, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, so there's such a great tension in there yeah. somewhere for me to find. Um, but thanks for sharing. That's great. Sure. I mean, and for me, a lot of it was I've always been fiscally conservative, mm -hmm. uh, and and probably too much so. Mm -hmm. um, but now that the kids are, even though we've had three in college, it seems like forever. Um, it's it's always been because I wanted to be sure the kids were 
taken care of. I think now that they're moving into college and Hannah's married, um, I'm less mm. risk adverse financially. Cause, um, for me, it's not really, honestly, even though people say sure is, it's really not about the money for me, except to the point where, you know, the kids are taken care of and Melissa is good. It, beyond that, it, it really becomes more about impact. And is it, am I using my giftedness in a way hmm. that makes me want to get out of bed in the morning? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, but there is a ton of, for me right now, there's a ton of anxiety uh, around, and that you manage it, right? Like you think through it um, around just the cash flow aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And did I, you know, did you overpay or yeah. did you take, you know, is there too much debt on this or mm-hmm. are we growing fast enough? And can we, we just acquired another dry cleaners last week or mm-hmm. two weeks ago. So we closed on that, like making that decision because that's a, that's a growth decision, but mm-hmm. it pulls cash out of the business hurts paying Christmas bonuses. That was one of the things I hadn't anticipated. But when the employees come to you and say, oh, we've always got a bonus. Are we getting one this year? You go, Oh wow. Um, of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> so then that pulls cash out of business. So that first year for me, it's been, um, some of the calculation is mainly is maybe less is more about mm. just, uh, helping me get comfortable with that anxiety. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, mm-hmm. I wish I was more mm. gung ho. Like you mm. sound like you're at times. Uh, I, I remember the, I heard the podcast about the maze, the, <laughs> Something. Oh yeah, the hey, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would go down as a great learning point. For yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, getting off that quickly, what is what is as you look at the future? What does growth look like for your business? Is your everything under Farview Holdings? Is that if I were to say, what's the future look like for Farview? Well, it's a great question because again, it, it, anybody will laugh that's been through. It's like you know, you get excited when you first start reading these books. I'm like, I'm going to have a holding company. And yeah. Everybody's like, of course, cool. everybody wants a holding. But I, I sounds just, cool. Yeah, it's like <laughs> sounds great. Yeah, you know? so I made a website, but the website was really helpful just to clarify values mm. and 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 to set parameters. And then you know, you buy uh, the uh, laundromat. I was like, all right, there you go. There's my first LLC. Yeah. Um, and then that's a whole learning process of mm-hmm. all the things you've got to do to do an LLC and, you, you know, um, the team you have to have together, of whether it's your CPA and your attorney. Um, I mean, again, it's so humbling because you're like, I could not do this. On my no. own. Yeah. And even with them, sometimes I'm not sure I can do it. And then uh, my idea was, oh, this next purchase, so universe, uh, University Cleaners was going to go underneath. But then, if, then my CPA is like, yeah, that's not a good idea. It needs to be independent. I was like, there goes my whole care. Like, yeah. <laughs> but so in my mind, I, I would tell people, yes, it's underneath it. But okay. Legally, it's, it's separate. Outside. But, okay. but the idea, the mindset eventually for me, one of my dreams, and I don't know if it'll be, is this idea of could you grow it? Could you get could you get operators to run these businesses in a way that's mutually beneficial, aligning our interests, and have an opportunity to, to do this again, mm-hmm. either in the same industry or a different industry? Mm-hmm. Uh, that I really That excites me. Mm-hmm. Um, but currently, um, I would say the, the, the laundromat, you're just going to grow by running it well. Hmm. You're probably, and you might acquire a few other laundromats, which I'd be excited about if I could. Um, the dry cleaner is fascinating because we say dry cleaners, but it's university cleaners. It's really a platform. Um, so it's, there's three lines of business. So retail dry cleaning comes over the counter. So when you think about bringing in a dress, um, shirt hmm. or a blouse, you know, what people typically think of dry cleaning. And that goes downstairs to our plant. So we have a plant um, that processes it. But we also do collegiate laundry. So a, a term you'll hear is wash, dry, fold. That's kind of a new term that is real popular. So we go to 
um, some major universities and students subscribe. They pay us on an annual basis hmm. to weekly pick up their laundry, wash, dry, fold it, and return it to them. Um, and wow. so, and then the third is if there's fire or water damage to a home, insurance companies or individuals uh, or adjusters will call us and, um, or contractors, I should say, will call us and we'll go in and get all the textiles. So we would come into your house and get anything that could be restored, hmm. shoes, drapes, uh, tablecloths, clothes, and then we have the ability to kind of restore that from mold or water damage. So in my mind, those are three different lines of business. And so when you think about growth, the collegiate laundry would be additional colleges and mm-hmm. growing market penetration at those schools. Um, retail dry cleaning is most likely bolt-ons or add-ons. So like we just acquired another dry cleaners and stamps. So now we have um, three dry cleaning retail stores, but only mm-hmm. still only one plant. So we bring everything to a central location to gotcha. process it. Um, so I think we would are con- interested in continue to add um, dry cleaners uh, to that. And then um, for the restoration business, again, kind of a pipe dream perhaps is I'd like to eventually get that big enough where it could be a standalone business. Mm-hmm. So a separate facility just to process all of that. So, um, so that should keep us busy for a while. Yeah. That we- third one seems so scalable just because once an insurance company gets involved on a claim, it's kind of like the dollars kind of start rolling, right? To a certain extent. You know, if you have or is it 80 sporadic. grand in coverage yes. on a disaster, you know? Yeah, I'll tell you, it's so... You're praying for hurricanes coming up the coast. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, but, baby. You know, we joke about that. Like, I did say, because when you're looking for business, and I said, I'm not comfortable praying for people to have fire and water damage. <laughs> yeah. But I said, I did pray, like, when people have this, can we help them better than anybody else? Can we help them in a way that is sincerely concerned about their loss? Yeah. Because it is. It does feel really, really... um evil <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just your fingers <laughs> yeah. but um and I, i'll tell you a lesson i think for all of us is when you acquire business is it, i had no choice but to come in humbly yeah but that humility serves you well because what i thought was going to be the places we would grow before we acquired the business and the first three or four months now i'd say everything's flipped because of challenges that you aren't aware of or you oversimplify or mm. lessons you learn. So my encouragement to anybody who's acquiring a business is, you know, you know, tamp your ambition for the first year and your ego enough to actually learn from the current employees and customers what they want and need before you make a mistake. Because it would have been real easy to go all in on growth in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm grateful for that. Um, um, so, but yeah, it, there are parts of it that are exciting, mm-hmm. but there's challenges. And you guys know, it's like, I need someone else to help me with that challenge. I, I don't know if I can afford to hire someone to help me with that challenge. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's just this give and take. And it's, um, if you, you can either do that with kind of this joyful, this is fun mindset, or do this as it's really, I'm losing my mind, stress, you know, anxious mindset. Mm-hmm. So, and mm-hmm. it switches day to day. All the time. Yeah. yeah. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had I had yeah. one question real quick. I I'm intrigued by you saying I know a lot of people say it, but it's really not all about the money. I the way I look at the business has been increasingly more about the money as the team has grown and yes. you know our family's growing. Mm-hmm. Buddy and I talk about this all the time, probably ad nauseum. Can you describe your relationship with money because mm. it sounds like such a unique perspective to say it really is not i just you want know, to make sure that wife's taken care of and 
kids are, but like yeah, for me, it's like this is everything. If we're yeah. not, at, you know, killing no, it, then why am I doing this? You know, that's a great question, and let me clarify because um, when I say money, it's not about the money. It's from a sense of like satisfaction or joy. Mm-hmm. When I was young, um, Jim Sunberg, who was the catcher for the Texas Rangers, and I think he was pretty pretty amazing. I guess what they call a golden glove winner. Is that mm-hmm. what it, he spoke to our youth group and he said, money won't make you happy, but it does make things easier. Mm-hmm. And I always, that was the first time I heard someone kind of honestly, not just dismiss it. And he's like, Oh no, it makes it easier. Like if I want to go to Hawaii and go to Hawaii, but it doesn't make me happy because mm-hmm. me and my kids can wife can fight in Hawaii just like we can fight here. And so what I mean by that is I've been fortunate that whatever is within me, like money's not this motivator from like, I need more. I want more stuff. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been able to watch and experience people who have it not be miserable. But from a business standpoint, I agree with you. Like you have to be thinking about your rates, your profitability, um, your competitiveness in the market with your wages to your employees. Like, so yes. So I, I would say I look at my numbers a lot, but it's more of what the, what, what's the conviction that's causing that, Mm. you know, I don't wake up and go, how do I, get more money in my salary right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I do want to be able to pay for the kids college um, and they all have loans to a certain mm-hmm. degree. Like I don't want to, we don't, we don't have that kind of cash flow. but, um, but there's a scripture and I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically says to this, to the, the, the gist of it is Lord, don't let me have too much that I might forget you and mm-hmm. that I need you. And don't give me too little that I might steal and um, defile your name. Mm. And I read that, 20, 25 years ago. And I kind of joke that I prayed it. I'm like, gosh, I wouldn't have prayed that because he's not gonna let me have too much. <laughs> yeah. But there's kind of mentality of uh-huh. what enough's enough. But, but I do love growing and mm-hmm. achieving, but, um, and, but it's, it's weird. Like it's, I, my motivation isn't so we can have a bigger house or mm-hmm. more cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really helpful. That's great. So thank what you. is it for you, Daniel? When you were talking about your wrestling with the money, I heard you say about really thinking about taking care of your family. Um, where do you, where's the tension for you in it? I think I'm in the midst of figuring that out. Hmm. I think I'm in the midst of figuring that out because I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't fully understand where the tension is, and I carry, I can carry guilt. I've sometimes. I jokingly wish, man, it'd be so easy not to be a Christian business owner. You know, if we were, I was just a non-believer. Then, yeah. hey, it's all about the bottom line. Mm-hmm. It makes it so much more straightforward. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm working, currently working through this idea of what it, my goal is to steward this business mm-hmm. well, because it's not mine, it's the Lord's. And when I say that, it often feels like, well, then I'm, I'm sacrificing this idea of profitability Mm -hmm. because I'm just trying to steward things well for everybody else, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's a tension in there and I'm trying to find it. And sometimes it makes me nervous. And then I think, man, I'm thinking way too much about the money, not enough about the product or too much about the money, Mm -hmm. not enough about the employee. So it feels like I'm, I am in a season of just wrestling through that. And just to be honest, during one of our, it's the leanest month of the the year for us too. So, (laughs) I think it's a good time to be wrestling through this and praying through it too. Yeah. But that's 
That's not answering your question. That's about as far as I've fleshed it out. That's yeah, no, where that's, the tension yeah. rests heavy for me. Yeah. So I'm curious. I yeah. I wrote it in the notes. Like, how, what does your relationship look like? Money ha- having more maturity in years than we do. It's like I'm eager to hear what you have to say. Well, I mean, I'd say Daniel that that's a tension to manage. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem you're going to solve. Like that is a tension that's healthy and will be there for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and be comfortable with that. Like in a way that tension is what creates the pressure or the motivation to to do that. Like, okay, I'm focused on the product. Nope, I'm focusing on am I rewarding uh, my employees well? Okay, we're in a season of life. As your kids get older and go to college where I do need to be more thoughtful about them avoiding mm-hmm. too much debt. But, but I also don't want to spoil them. I want my kids to have a little bit of the debt and ownership of paying that off. Like mm-hmm. so that they don't, you know, squander it. So... Um, but I, a wise person used that phrase with me once and it helped me so much, mainly with HR issues. They said, that's an attention to manage, not a problem to solve. Mm-hmm. And cause I want to solve every problem. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't discern the difference, I'll burn a lot of energy on, a, yeah, on something. That's attention. Mm-hmm. I can do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. Tension to manage, not a problem to solve. Yeah. That's good. I'm marinate that. on it. Love it. So this has been such a fruitful conversation. I think the, the last chunk of it, we'd love to talk to you about a question we love asking each of our guests, which is how they approach asking themselves what is enough. So, Chad, what's your what's your approach to that question? Hmm. Well, I'm at th- probably at my age, so I, I turned 50 in March. So four kids, um, been in ministry for 15 years. The beauty of being in ministry is there's just tons of introspection. Like, I'm an achiever. So for me to obey the Lord usually involves slowing down because I have no trouble going too fast. Um, And so when I think about that, or I've thought about that over the years many times is, um, and this will sound like a mini sermon, like I really believe that the Scripture teaches that God knit us together in our mother's womb which is incredibly intimate and that it says he prepared good works for us to do in advance. And it talks about, um, that our work is a, you know, an act of worship. And so for the 10 years trying to come on into ministry with young life and then the 15 years serving, it was just really, um, fulfilling and satisfying to kind of think about, think it that way of like, okay, Lord, my responsibility is to cooperate with you to understand how you designed me. Not that the Lord is displeased if I work outside of my giftedness, but it's like I bring more glory when I work in my giftedness. It's like someone who can sing a beautiful song, it sounds more pleasant than if I sing a song because it's not my giftedness. And I would say, I think that translates to the business world. It's like when we work in the way God designed us, it's more satisfying for, for I think for, for me at least. And then I would hope for, for him as well, there's a great old clip from um, Chariots of Fire where the guy says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And so for me, it's am, enough is, am I working and living in a way that I feel God's pleasure? And so it's, it's strange because money, I think people, money tends to come into that. And uh, I don't want to be foolish and say it doesn't, but the, really for me, it's like, and one of the reasons I think I left, ended up leaving Young Life was I... And I kind of knew it when I took the job is it was, I was working in some of the areas that were outside my giftedness. And I think a danger for a man is doing things he's good at, 
but he doesn't bring him joy, you know, and mm. that, and, and cause most people tell you, Oh, you're good at that. You should do it. And when you're younger, you fall into that trap of doing what other people tell you. Cause you, they say you're good at, it, you should do it instead of spending time reflecting with the Lord and saying, what do you want me to do? And how, what did you design me to do regardless of money, regardless of reputation? Cause I guarantee you, I didn't think I was a grown be a dry cleaner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> but there's such satisfaction in living in that spot of where you're like, Oh, this is how you design me. And so, and I'm going to walk in that and live that out. So I would say it's kind of a, it's a paradox. Like it's never enough because I'm always wanting to, I have this drive within me that it, some could just call it probably a, probably a mental defect of being <laughs> an achiever or competitive. Uh, uh, but also when I sit in the morning and I read scripture and I pray, it's like, it's already enough. Like I, I tell my wife, if I died today, I'm so grateful. Mm. Um, so, so it, it's already enough and it'll never be enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I don't know if that answer, if that helped. That's the tension we're managing, Daniel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's the tension. Yeah, we're not solving that problem. That's crazy. Oh, I love it. That's you said that reason. really well. I mm-hmm. feel like my approach to, to this question is pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you said that, you said that really well. I, mm-hmm. I totally resonate with that. Yeah. When Jill and I had that month last year where we had no new bookings, it was such that awesome gut check and Jill Jill kept saying over and over um she heard it from this guy Jocko he's like this mm-hmm. Navy SEAL guy but Jill would say and I'd be like oh we had that awesome site visit and they loved it and just didn't, didn't decide not to book and Jill would say good like that was the okay good like just let's trust the Lord let's let's know that his plan for us is good mm-hmm. and uh even though you know we would like to make money for sure like you said I'm not gonna be foolish about that but Let's trust him. Let's know that uh, his provision for us, whatever it may be, mm. is going to be the best thing. So good. They didn't mm. book. Okay, we'll see what he has for us then. And it's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> but but that's the tension, like you yeah. said. That's it. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. It's rich. Well, can you sign off in the in in the way we were just describing? What's what's important to you going forward, as far as the audience? Sure, sure. I, I mean, I think for me, I I know how grateful I am to like what we're going to call the ETA community because people, when I would reach out to them on LinkedIn or phone calls, to uh, folks were willing to talk to me. So if there's anybody that's truly interested in this, I'd be happy to have coffee with you uh, and offer what I can offer or resources I can offer. And I'd say for um, if there's any business owners out there that are looking to sell, I would similarly, I'd be more than happy to have coffee and talk about the process whether you know we're a, a fit or not, um, I just enjoy. I feel like I need to pay it back for the people that have um, helped me along the way. So, and and for you too, I'm really y'all. I'm not blowing smoke. Y'all are have great voices. I'm afraid <laughs> to hear what mine's going to sound like <laughs> compared to y'all's. Y'all ask great questions, and I love that y'all's friendship and uh, communicates through the radio waves. And I, so I think this is fun. And in the community, and I think your your nearby listeners know this, but the listeners further away, like you both have a reputation for being incredibly um, great men and fathers and um, generous to your employees. I, mean, it, I don't know if y'all realize it, but my kids have worked. One oh, of my yeah. kids have worked mm-hmm. for both of you. Mm-hmm. So I'm cool. still shocked at how much you pay my, I wanted my, <laughs> yeah. I wanted Micah to come work for me. And then he told me how much <laughs> yeah. he was making uh, and I said, you should stay there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. When Daniel first told me, I was like, what? <laughs> Maybe this is the root of my yeah. trouble. I may, I, may go to, I may come work for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so thank you all for, yeah. um, 
the podcast and the gift that is to other folks. And, and thanks for just the example you are in the community, really. Well, right yeah. back at you. That's very generous. And Same. thank you for saying that. Sure. Yeah. Chad, thanks for coming on. Your humility is exemplary and so many great takeaways for us and hopefully all the listeners. So thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on. Be excited to watch you grow and learn from you. And that's the pod. Bring in your dry cleaning. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs>